This afternoon I preach to you the gospel as we summarize and confess it in Lord's Day 38. It's the, looking at the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth to see and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then in Lord's Day 38, so that's page 554 in the book of praise. What does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel in the schools be maintained, and that especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, sometimes the conflicts and the upheaval in society, sometimes even in our own families, can make us feel very tired. Ever since our first parents were expelled from the Garden of Eden, mankind, we have been longing for an end to the upheaval, to the conflict, and to the battles that often complicates complicate our days. The human race has been looking for the opportunity to fully experience that rest that we once had in paradise and that God promised we would have through the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent. Hebrews chapter 4 draws a parallel between the Israelites going through the desert on their way to the promised land and the church of Christ going through the desert of life to their rest in heaven. In the history of redemption, we can see that God's people made it to the promised land and that in between their sin and rebellion, they experienced enough rest from their enemies so that the Messiah could be born in the land. In his life, the Lord Jesus revealed himself to be king of a spiritual kingdom of peace. He rose to his throne of glory in heaven to rule creation from on high. And now when we talk about the eternal rest of the promised land, we are talking about heaven, where God will dwell in our midst forever and ever, and there will be no more crying Mourning, pain, violence. Hebrews 4 makes a connection between our eternal rest and the day of rest, which was known in the Old Testament as the Sabbath, and today is known as the Sunday, 
the day of our Lord. The day of rest can be compared to an oasis in the desert, an oasis that looks very similar to the destination, to the promised land. And as we go from oasis to oasis, we know that our King Jesus Christ is already king of a kingdom of rest. And we look forward to the consummation, the, the final times when God will be all in all. Every oasis confirms believers of their place in Christ's kingdom of rest. As they consider that the work that was been, has been done in the past as they look at the freedom they now have in Jesus Christ, and as they look with confidence to the future. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme. In Christ, we have the privilege of belonging to a kingdom of rest. And we'll see that our rest is a sign of the work that has been done in the past, the freedom that we have in the present, and the confidence we have for the future. When we stop our regular task, when we leave the, the rat race through the desert to follow the signs to the oasis, we are actually embracing a rest that God had already established before the fall into sin, when he created the world. When God finished his work of creating, you can read about that in Genesis chapter 2, the first verses, when he finished his work of creating and the fullness of the perfection of his work was very clear to see, he rested on that day. So then we know that the word rested does not mean that, he was, that God was tired, but it tells us that God stopped creating to do something different. The, the seventh day stood out from the sixth day because it was a, a day that God had separated. It was a day that he blessed so that he, together with his creatures, could enjoy what his hands had made. And then we see that this weekly cycle is part of creation. And just as the man and woman learned about the distinction between the day and the evening when they went and, and had rest, they also learned of the distinction distinction between the six days of work and the one day for resting as God had done. Even after mankind was expelled from paradise, everyone could still see the glory of God's creation. And so in Exodus 20 verse 11, his church was called to rest as their God did. That's the fourth commandment. This day of rest was to serve as a window back into the perfect paradise that God had made when everybody loved God and loved his neighbor as himself. And so every time we hear the law, we are reminded of that perfection of creation, of the, of the work that has been done. But we also see the sad reality of the fall into sin and the need for more grace from God. You see, the fall into sin corrupted not only our worship, but also corrupted our work. The six days that God had given became man-centered days. Think of work as something for ourselves. Pagans had no respect for God and creation. 
slave uh, drivers, they, they forced their laborers to work whenever they wanted to, to, to fulfill their dreams. It became very difficult to experience the rest and worship that God had ordained. Even among the people of God, we can read about it several times in the Old Testament, the desire to be richer, the desire to make more money. It made it very difficult for people to honor that day that God hallowed, blessed, separated as a day of, of thanksgiving. You can see in Amos, he, the prophet said to the people, you sit in church, but you're not really there. You're only thinking about your work, about making more money. They wanted to make the day of rest a personal day for themselves. You read about that in Isaiah 58. Into this context, it was necessary for the Lord to command the people to do what was best for them. We're so fallen, we're so sinful, we need a, a command from God to do what, what's the best thing we could possibly do. And he gave us a command to remember not only creation, but another amazing thing that he had done. He had delivered them from slavery to others. Besides the beauty of creation so celebrated on the Lord's day, the oasis on the journey is a place where we can stop and remember that we are no longer slaves to our work. God set us free from slavery in Egypt. Deuteronomy, the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy highlight this freedom from slavery to others. We are now subjects of a king who has set us free from slavery to work. When the traveler rests from his work, when he comes into the oasis on the day of the Lord, he remembers what a great privilege it is that he is able to stop from his work. He is reminded that he has been set free from slavery to work, that he does not actually work for himself in the first place, but so that he is able to give to those who are in need. We read about that in Ephesians 4, verse 28. Part of our worship when we stop in that oasis is giving Christian offerings to the poor. Part of our worship in the oasis is reminding each other that God has set us free from servitude to men and made us servants of a kingdom of love and of generosity. And when God's people are gathered together in a holy assembly in this oasis and this day of rest, they are led in worship by ministers of the gospel who have been trained to proclaim the gospel. They were trained in schools that we have supported. And as they preach God's word in the oasis, we are reminded that we may celebrate a great deliverance that is, that is greater than just the deliverance from slavery in Egypt and even today, slavery to our work. But we may celebrate, like we read in the end of Hebrews 4, that our Lord Jesus is a great high priest who has offered himself as a sacrifice to pay for our sins, and he has gone through the heavens. When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. On the Lord's day, we remember this other work that has been done, the work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He said, it is finished. 
We celebrate that our Lord Jesus Christ rose on the first day of the week, a day which became known as the Lord's Day among Christians. We worship a living Savior, Jesus Christ, who went up into heaven as the first fruits of all who believe in him. Do you know what that means? It's like being a soldier in the king's army, trudging through the desert of life, and then pulling into an oasis for rest along the way to the, the promised land. And while you are there, you hear the great news. Our king, the head of the church, has passed through the heavens, and he is already in heaven, and he has a place prepared for you with his name on it. And when we hear the the good news of the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ while we're in that oasis. It's, it gives us great, great joy. The, the uncertainty of, of life, the, the weariness of the battles, they, they pass away. We're cheered, we're, we're encouraged by the good news of the proclamation that, that, that's proclaimed from the pulpit. Our king made it. He has gone into the promised land. He's the first fruits. He's, he's opened the way so that all who believe in him will be welcomed, will be received. And as we gather together in the oasis, we already start receiving the gifts, the gifts from our king who made it to the promised land. It's, it's evidence that he's there, that he's ruling and he, he just pours out on top of us the gifts that he has, he has gotten for us, the Holy Spirit, the heavenly gifts, we call them. We, we receive them with joy as we're gathered together on the day of rest in the oasis. Similar to the, the grapes that the spies who investigated the promised land, they brought back. Well, we have the full Blessing as our king has entered and he, and he pours out upon us what he has gained. So on the day of rest, we remember the work that has been done and, and we receive it with great joy. He transforms our hearts. It gives us new joy. It gives us freedom in our lives, freedom that we have in the present. We see that in the second point. You see, the only reason that we can rest on the Lord's day is because our Lord Jesus Christ has risen to glory. He has destroyed the power of death so that it can no longer have dominion on us. We don't have to live in fear of death anymore. We read that in Hebrews. The journey to enter into God's rest, that's a major theme in the Old Testament. It's pointed to and promised many times in the life of Moses and Joshua and Judges. You can see, for example, Joshua 1 verse 13. It says, when you enter the land and, and you have rest. God promised that if his people faithfully walked with him and, and loved him, then the promised land would offer them that, that rest of paradise where God would dwell in the midst of them. He would reign through his anointed king in a land where weapons of war would not be necessary and everyone would return to peaceful work to regular days of rest. That was the promise. And now think about the passage we read in 1 Kings chapter 8. In the context of the promise that there would be rest in the promised land, 
We come to 1 Kings 8, it's like the, the highest point, the, one of the pinnacles of the whole Old Testament situation. That's the, the closest return to peaceful, uh, to paradise that can be found outside of some glimpses in the time of the patriarchs. One of the closest returns to paradise in the Old Testament. Solomon's blessing highlights the importance of the moment. He says, not one word has failed of all his good promise which he spoke to Moses, his servant. The temple structure had been completed. The ark had been set inside so that the kingdom had permanent access to the throne of God in heaven through the established priesthood and the sacrifices. God poured out his favor upon the land. He gave the king wisdom and power and riches. The land was safe from enemies. There was peace. And so people could, could start to, to investigate the land again. Then you can read about it in the time of Solomon, how, how science advanced huge steps. Ships were going around and, and bringing in the treasures from around the world. They had rest. They had peace from their enemies. It was a blessing of the victory of the Lord through his king, his anointed king. All this new blessing is characterized in 1 Kings 8, verse 56. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. When a kingdom is at rest, it has freedom to glorify God, not only in worship, not only in the worship service, but in all areas of life. Rest is a result of the victory of God. It's a sign of freedom that we have to live and worship God without fear. And the gospel message is that we have much more than the people of Israel in Solomon's day. Solomon defeated some earthly enemies and renewed temple worship to bring rest to the land. But we believe Christ Jesus destroyed a much greater enemy or much greater enemies. He destroyed death and sin and Satan. He became the living temple of God who opened the way to eternal rest. Christ's victory brings believers a freedom from enemies and a peace in their hearts that gives them new confidence and joy, even in the toughest journeys. There is no enemy that can be stronger than our King, Jesus Christ, who has given us access into heaven. And when we as weary travelers, we leave the, the regular grind, the, the pressures of our regular life that's often like a, a desert, and we come into the oasis where the, the kingship of Christ is, is clearly seen. We see it as very different from the world that is governed by unbelievers. All of a sudden it dawns on us that the day of rest or the oasis, it reflects the true eternal situation for us. The oasis, what we celebrate on the day of rest as God's people, that reflects the eternal reality. And the desert reflects the temporary. It is better, says the psalmist, to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. As we return from the oasis to, to glorify God in our daily task, even in, in the struggle 
We do so in the knowledge that we get in the, in the oasis and the day of rest and in the proclamation that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Even in countries where there is persecution, God's people work very hard to enjoy the blessing of that rest, the, the blessing of the communion of saints that Christ bought with his precious blood. They do that often at the danger of their own lives. When God's people are assembled for worship, they first acknowledge that in that worship, in that fact that they are together, they can see Christ's victory. They say it. Many places in the world, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then the Lord greets his people. He greets the the weary travelers. And he reminds us that when we stop in that oasis, we are receiving the greeting of the victorious king. And then the victorious king, he, he talks to us. He encourages us on our journey. And it's that idea that we have the opportunity to meet our victorious Lord, our King, our Savior. That's what motivates us to wear formal attire of a grateful, reverent subject. It's a momentous moment in our lives, in our week. What does our King say to us? The Lord Jesus responds, he tells us, he says that his peace is with us. He says, peace be to you, grace and peace. He reminds us that our God is no longer angry with us because of our sins, because Christ Jesus bought us with his own blood. There in the oasis in the day of rest, we can, we can freely confess our sins. It's an amazing thing to think about. We're all dignified, growing leaders in society and in our work. But when we come and worship in the oasis, we, we tell the Lord we've sinned. We confess our sins. That takes a, a very vulnerable and a humble heart. But we have the freedom to do that because our Lord Jesus Christ has the victory. We can speak Freely, we can know that when we believe in Jesus Christ, not one of the accusations of the devil or our enemies or even our own consciences will stand. We have a king who is ruling over over everything. Our king that speaks to us is the judge who will judge us on the final day. And already now we can see him. We We can hear him speak with us. We receive his peace through the blessing. We are in a safe place. We are surrounded by brothers and sisters who want the same things that we want, who have the same challenges, who fall in many of the same sins and recognize many of the same weaknesses, who weep over the same sins as as we are weeping over. We are in a safe place where together we look to the Lord Almighty and we beg for strength and mercy. We pray for help. For like it will be in heaven already now in the church of Jesus Christ, there is love. Through the reading and the preaching of the word, the Holy Spirit works faith so that we begin to love 
what God wills. We want to love what God wants. We find that just like there were in in the days of of, uh, Solomon's kingdom of peace, in Christ's kingdom, we have many opportunities to delight in God's creation. We are sent out to, to discover what he has made. We are sent out to explore, to learn, to find pleasure in the beauty, to improve our lives and the lives of those around us. Because Christ is our King and we have the guarantee of victory in Him. We do not have to conform to the world's expectations and the world's perspectives. We have freedom in the present because of the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ in the past. We have a new perspective concerning what it means to work, to, do our, to carry out our calling, to learn, to teach. We can be creative and innovative, counter-cultural leaders because we belong to the kingdom of rest. Because of Christ's victory, our time in the oasis is a time of rejuvenation, encouragement, and refocus on how blessed and how free we are because of the work that was done for us. The good news for each one of us is, like, is that the oasis is like a copy of the promised land. When we take the time to rest on the Lord's day in, in that oasis, it is a sign that Jesus Christ has given us entry into the eternal promised land. It's an expression of our confidence in the future. difficult to keep that focus, brothers and sisters. We know that. We look around at the whole picture. We compare ourselves with, with many others. We recognize that many, the very few people consider Sunday as a day of rest. I'm not talking about those who have dedicated their lives to the essential services, those who give their time and, and their own opportunity to rest. They give that up so that others can safely worship in the oasis. Christians involved in essential services like the medical and law enforcement sectors of society are like the doorkeepers of the oasis who would love to rest every Lord's Day, but who have been called to make sure that all God's people can arrive safely to worship, to make sure that the church's rest does not harm the lives of others. I'm also not talking about those who live in a country where there is simply no choice or those who due to their specific history and circumstances are handcuffed to their work situations and they're sad that they cannot come and take that day in the oasis. But brothers and sisters, we know there are people who claim the freedom to decide for themselves whether or not they will go and to the oasis and rest. There are those who criticize the church for being legalistic concerning the day of rest, who who think it's absolutely ridiculous to ask to be excused from work, to close the shop, to stop planting or harvesting on the Lord's day. And although such people may not be slaves to money or to work, such people who focus on their own rights to do Uh, they do need to question if perhaps they have lost the broader vision 
of what it means to belong to the kingdom of rest, to have Jesus Christ as the victorious king, to have the Christ as the one who restores us to that beautiful situation of paradise. And we see that that loss of vision can be found both among the negligent and also among the vigilant. And so we need to ask ourselves, what motivates Christians to rejoice in their rest on the Lord's Day? When we look closely at the situation, we realize that for us to rest is a sign of the confidence that we have for the future. It is a sign of our excitement to already experience today the full communion that we will enjoy for all eternity with our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ and being immersed in the blessing of the Holy Spirit that our Lord Jesus Christ has obtained for us. You see, if we do not love to have a day of rest and worship, if we find it a bother to leave the the desert path, the, the rat race, to go to the oasis, or if we're not very interested in hearing our king talking to us, whether we physically go to church, just sleep, or we don't go at all, well, we ought to pay attention to the words we read in Hebrews, words that warn us that those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who do not believe in God, will never enter God's rest. See, it becomes important what lives in your heart. A bride that loves her bridegroom will be eager to hear him tell her how much he loves her. He will be eager to, she'll be eager to hear him tell her how much he loves her, to enjoy time together, to learn more about him, to even look forward to that wedding banquet. You see, brothers and sisters, when we stop our regular work, to rest on the day of rest. We reveal our confidence that that we believe that one day we will spend our eternity doing what we can do one day a week now in the time of rest and worship. And so we jump at the opportunity. We love to gather together as God's people to celebrate that we belong to the kingdom of rest. So what does it look like when we come together in the oasis? The catechism gives a list of activities. We've already looked at them as we went through. But the point is that rest does not mean inactivity. Rest does not mean flopping down in a hammock in the oasis. As we enter the oasis on the day of rest, we gaze upon the power and the glory of our victorious king. We hear his voice, we receive our instructions, we we bow ourselves before him and we praise him together as his people. Although while we had been busy with our tasks during the week, it's very certain and clear that we took time to drink water from the word of God. We drink from a water bottle as we're walking along on a desert path. And we took time to, to speak to our king as we prayed to him on the day of rest in the oasis, 
we can just dive right in to the beautiful waters of the lake of the gospel. Our tears are dried once again and the sweat of our labor is washed off. We celebrate the King, Jesus Christ. We reconnect with our fellow soldiers. We, we stretch our limbs. We become further acquainted with our King. We take time to allow his words to sink in. We, we sing together as a large group and, and we do so looking forward to the promised land, to the eternal glory of heaven. We meditate on the glory of the eternal rest in the promised land and our hope is strengthened, our fears are removed. We are prepared to shine more and more to those who are around us in our lives Confident in our future goals, we prepare ourselves for the next leg of the journey. We prepare our food for the week. We fill our water tanks. We sharpen our weapons. We make sure our children are, are ready again so that we can shine. When we rest from our daily work, when we gather together and immerse ourselves in, in worship as we hear the Good Shepherd speaking to us through his word, then we show that we are sure of where we are going. We take Christ and we put him in the center of our lives. What a blessing it is that the fourth commandment directs us to begin already in this life that eternal Sabbath. May the blessings of this oasis enrich you, enrich your week, and rejuvenate your soul, and bring you joy in your King Jesus Christ. Amen.